your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can find me on my personal account on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on all the previous episodes you may have missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date so you'll never miss another episode. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, the response game from the Winnipeg Jets against the Vancouver Canucks, which in, in many ways I felt like the Jets actually came out with a little bit more fire and passion. And there were a few adjustments here and there that in general I felt were, were better opportunities for Winnipeg to really control this game at even strength and show a lot more than they did yesterday. Let's start off with the first period. This was an interesting one because Winnipeg at first kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, they were they were creating some offensive opportunities off the rush, and I felt like the Jets in general, they weren't too bad against Vancouver. It did take them a little bit to get rolling, though, and, and of course the Canucks can be kind of dangerous when they start cycling the puck, especially around the perimeter before they find a crossing pass down low. Both teams were definitely looking for some more scoring opportunities from the slot versus last night, where they had a really tentative, very slow start, and really both teams weren't really creating many shots. This time, the, the pace off the uh, the start of the period was a lot faster and felt like there were a lot more end-to-end rushes, which is something that I like to see from the Jets because, let's be honest, the less time that they spend in the defensive zone is a lot more beneficial to their offensive output. The less that they have to do trying to defend their own net and getting pinned down deep by a Vancouver cycle game, the more the Jets are actually able to create. It doesn't seem like rocket science, but then you kind of watch the Jets really struggle to assemble lineups and create tactical approaches that actually emphasize this sort of stuff, so maybe it's not as crazy as as it sounds, trying to emphasize and highlight that it is in fact a positive development because, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think the Jets still need to work on. Thankfully, instead of conceding some really sloppy goals, the Jets for the most part didn't really give Vancouver too, too many looks. I felt like uh, a lot of the shots were point shots, and for the most part, the Jets were making very last-second defensive plays to keep any of the uh, the more dangerous chances near the, the side of the net or on some of those, like, backdoor seam passes sealed off pretty decently. And eventually, the Jets ended up scoring first thanks to Mason Appleton, who sort of drove the net and crashed the net with his body and the puck, taking Holtby along for a ride with him all the way to uh, pay dirt. So it was a nice little opportunity. I feel like Appleton's approach to the game is very simple in a lot of ways. But despite the simplicity of his game, it's very effective. He drives directly towards the net. He looks for really good scoring opportunities from sharp angles. He'll clean up rebounds, either ones that he's created himself, or he'll look to set up one of his line mates with a really nice shoveling opportunity. So there's a lot that he can do. He's not exactly somebody who has like really high-end finesse like a Nikolai Ehlers or something, but I feel like Appleton just seems to make all the right decisions, and he does enough of the small things well enough to the point where I feel like if there's an opportunity to uh, maybe see what he can do in the top six, I wouldn't mind him getting a couple of 
you know, maybe first or second line deployments, I feel like he might be able to help Winnipeg's top six transition game. And because he's really fearless on the forecheck and is able to create space while he's in possession and also has the hand-eye coordination to actually score a decent amount of goals, he might not be that out of place up top. And we also know that he's very effective defensively so he can really stabilize a line that's bleeding a lot of scoring chances, which is basically any line that Kyle Connor is on. It'll be interesting to see if he ever gets that opportunity, but I feel like his game was in fact rewarded in this period and I'm, I'm very impressed with him this season and parts of last season, the more that he continues to grow and develop his game, the more I feel like he needs to be protected when Seattle comes calling. Despite Appleton's great individual efforts, it wasn't too long before Vancouver ended up evening the scoreline with Elias Petterson tying it. This one off of like a, I think a Kyle Connor missed assignment. It wasn't entirely his fault, but the problem was as he drifted into the slot to make the central coverage, and I feel like he wasn't actually looking at the area where he needs to be monitoring because Petterson cuts in on his left side, receives the puck, and then, you know, Connor starts shadowing him but doesn't really engage physically or get too close, and eventually Petterson just sort of wrists it off the crossbar, and then it hits Brassois and goes into the net so it's kind of one of those situations where I'm like not really in love with the whole way that all transpired I felt like that's a goal that you know it's a bit of a busted coverage it was a good counter rush sequence but I feel like the Jets just in general you know when you have these situations like the forward needs to support defensively and it, it just didn't really happen so it's one of those things that Winnipeg will have to work on but it's also something that you know is not really going to change because this team is who they are we know that Kyle Connor's not really a defensive wonderkind as far as this sort of stuff is concerned and to some degree it's just something that you accept as part of the whole Winnipeg game structure and all that stuff so I you know it is what it is I feel like I complain about it a lot but there's not really anything that's going to change it so I sort of have to accept it myself doesn't make it any less uh, frustrating in practice but thankfully despite that minor blemish on the on the grand scheme of things I felt like the Jets weren't too too bad I, I did feel like the uh, the end of the period wasn't quite as great from the Jets as I was hoping it felt like Vancouver started to push a little bit more but off of another counter sequence from the Jets there was some sort of weird busted pass from Nate Beaulieu inside the neutral zone that I feel like froze everyone, and the puck just sort of leaked through a couple of different guys, and eventually Matthew Perot sort of seized the opportunity, split two of the Vancouver defenders, and ended up just sort of backhanding the puck into the net past Holtby. Considering the history that both Holtby and Perot have together as members of the AHO uh, Hershey Bears squad that's won a couple of Calder Cups, which the broadcast was sure to mention, it was actually pretty funny to see Matthew do that one against his old teammate, but of course, the, the goal itself wasn't great from Holtby's perspective, but as far as the Jets are concerned, you take it any way you can get it. It wasn't like it was completely undeserved either. I felt like the Jets were actually playing pretty competent hockey, especially when you compare it against their previous effort in the game yesterday. So overall, not a bad first period. I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but as far as the Jets are concerned, this is kind of what you're looking for from Winnipeg. They have to do enough to maintain the lead and like bare minimum play evenly with your opponent. You don't have to dominate if you if you can't really do that against better squads, but at least, you know, play up to standard, be break even, and maybe score some goals here and there. I feel like that's you know, my expectation for this season. I'm trying to keep my expectations in check because I know that this team certainly has a lot of limitations that aren't going to change whether I get frustrated or not. It is what it is, and the Jets are not likely to change, so I just have to try and accept that certain things are going to happen, and if the Jets can get some wins doing mostly decent hockey, I can accept that. Thankfully, the Jets actually improved throughout the game, especially in the second period, and we'll cover some of those thoughts in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online auto part needs. When it comes to buying replacement parts when you have a maintenance issue, it can be hard to find the right place to buy all the stuff you need for your car. You might not know what you're looking for, but even if you do, you might not actually be paying the best price available. If you want to stop messing around, look no further than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. 
Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best selection in the industry, whether you're looking for a new entry control module or a floor mat replacement. Their diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock at the best prices available. Head on over to rockauto.com, and when you're checking out, be sure to write locked on the neat how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're breaking down a major game against the Vancouver Canucks after the Jets got shut out last night. Thankfully, that didn't really happen this time. And we're about to jump into the second period after a mostly even first period that was okay, but maybe not without a couple of blemishes. But thankfully, the Jets came out 2-1 up, so that's pretty nice. Before we go any further, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why Locked on Bets needs to be in your podcast rotation. Betting on the Jets doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite podcasts and start racking up those wins. And speaking of wins, I felt like in the game where the, the Jets needed a huge response against the Vancouver Canucks after last night's debacle, the Jets actually came out with a big win in terms of like a statement period and performance. We're not really going to count last night's third period because Vancouver basically stopped skating and the Jets kind of took advantage of that but also didn't really score, so I feel like that performance is for the most part very moot. Overall, the trend over the past several games has been pretty poor from the Jets. We sort of knew that at some point their lack of uh, scoring chance creation while also getting shelled was probably going to bite them. Last night it definitely did, even if some of the goals against were a little bit unlucky. It didn't really feel like the scoreline itself was unfair. Winnipeg just didn't really create all that much, and until the third period when Vancouver basically stopped playing, the Jets just weren't really able to do a whole lot either. The first period tonight was fine enough, but then the Jets really put that pedal to the metal on the second period, and I was actually very impressed with how the Jets handled things. They basically dominated the Vancouver Canucks and stifled all of Vancouver's offensive breakouts while creating plenty of chances down low and testing Braden Holtby on some really dangerous chances in the slot. This is probably one of the more complete periods the Jets have played in some time, and they were really just running up the, the scoring chance creation counter, working the actual shot clock a bit. I mean, this was just a really dominant performance, and what I really liked from the Jets was a couple of particular things. For one thing, the Jets defenders were actually more offensively aggressive. We saw some rushes from Pionk, some in-zone activations from uh, guys like Tucker Pullman. Even Dylan DeMello jumped into the rush at one point, which was surprising because he's not somebody who's really thought of as a, a particularly attacking-minded defender, but here again, he activated. And whenever you have these Jets deactivating, it actually allows a, a better cycle game and a lot more offensive pressure to be created. Vancouver really struggled to cope with Winnipeg's waves of pressure, which is something that the Jets used to do a lot when they had a, a much stronger blue line and a really strong roster in 2017-18. We certainly see it a lot less over the past couple of seasons because the Jets just haven't really felt comfortable enough to do it, but to be honest, I feel like you just sort of have to run with what you've got, and for the most part, I felt like the Jets actually did it tonight. The second period was more evidence of that, and on one of the opportunities, the Jets actually got a nice power play goal thanks to some really good uh, cycling plays and a couple of great passes and feeds. I felt like, uh, you know, some of the power plays earlier in the game weren't so great, but this one, uh, Kyle Connor ended up scoring on. Sort of leaked through Braden Hopi, it wasn't a great goal, but... As in all things you take it, as far as Vancouver is concerned, they basically just couldn't get anything going against this Jets defense, which was stepping up frequently and really stifling them through the neutral zone and inside their own defensive zone. The Canucks just really could not get up the ice, and it's the sort of thing that the Jets really haven't done a whole lot of, which is sort of locking down that neutral zone area, locking down the offensive zone, and preventing Vancouver from getting up the ice. 
when you create a lockdown defense and trap system against a team like Vancouver where they really can't create much offensive pressure outside of like some in-zone stuff on the power play or maybe some really good shifts from their top lines, it not only creates a really good defensive presence, it also allows you to create a lot of offensive opportunities, which some of the more underappreciated Jets players were able to take advantage of. I feel like Mason Appleton had a monster shift tonight, just constantly good rushes, very good positioning, uh, great transition skating. These were the sorts of things that you like to see from him. And because he's also pretty physical and capable of winning board battles, it also allowed him to strip turnovers and prevent the uh, Canucks from getting up the ice on the right wing side where he was. And then, of course, you had Matthew Perot, who had a couple of really good scoring chances. Of course, he scored in the first period. And then I think either in the second or the third period, which we'll talk about the third period a little bit later, he actually had a really good chance on net driving from the left side and almost uh, putting it past Holpe again. So all in all, just a really good lockdown second period. This is probably one of the more dominant frames we've seen from the Jets. I think the adjustments really paid off. This is stuff that we've been calling for. Um, Of course, Tucker Pullman being on the first pairing with uh, Josh Morrissey. I'll be honest, it's not really an ideal situation because, you know, Tucker Pullman versus Nate Beaulieu, they do have a couple of the same issues. I think Pullman tends to have some stuff when it comes to, like, defensive reading and gapping. You know, oftentimes he makes a really bad decision, or sometimes where you would expect him to be and essentially in position, he's actually not really there at all. And he'll also gun some passes right into turnovers that are just not really the sorts of passes you should be making because they're very easily telegraphed. And to be honest, you can kind of see it coming from a mile away. Thankfully, Pullman didn't really get bit by any of his decisions tonight, and I I felt like for the most part he had an okay game. I wouldn't say it was great, but by relative standards for this pairing, it was enough. Really, you just need to keep the puck away from your defensive zone when those guys are on the ice, and the same goes for, like, Boyu DeMello. You know, DeMello, I thought, was very good as, like, a safety valve for Nate, but Boyu himself really struggled, and there were a couple of shifts later in the game where he just kept trying to ring the puck around the boards and actually failed to do so, which unfortunately gave Vancouver some life. And speaking of late Vancouver life, towards the end of the second period, Vancouver did actually get a power play, and of course JT Miller scored on it, which was kind of frustrating. It was a one-timer where Lowry ended up coming off the left side, which would be uh, JT's right, and it was kind of weird because it's like, you wouldn't really want to give that shooting or passing lane any sort of space for a guy like Miller to take that easy slapper, so I don't really know why he shifted over. I didn't see why it needed to happen, but sometimes I feel like the Jets just sort of move on like an autopilot when it comes to puck movement and they end up getting a little bit of puck chasing or something. I don't really know. Generally, I just expect that the Jets are going to give up stuff on the power play because it's sort of their, their uh, well, it's been one of their Achilles heels over the past couple of seasons when it comes to special teams. The penalty kill just really struggles with the sort of thing. But thankfully, that is the last goal the Jets conceded on the night. In fact, they added a couple of goals for insurance in the next period, which we'll touch on in just a moment. Before then, though, I want to tell you a little bit about why betonline.ag is the place to be for all your online betting needs. When it comes to online betting, it can be hard to find the most reliable and safest way to do it. You need a trusted name, and that's why you need to go to betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. But if you're not into sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you think you know the next Stanley Cup champion or the next person getting voted off your favorite reality TV show. BetOnline also has your back when it comes to all the news, scores, and odds you need, so you'll always be in the loop when you're casting your brand new bets. Getting started with a free account is super easy. Just log on to betonline.ag and register there, whether you're on your mobile device or on your desktop web browser. And when you register for your free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for the 50% welcome bonus. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome to this closing segment of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are wrapping up some thoughts from Winnipeg's win against the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, I am, in fact, telling you they won 5-2. to two. And uh, in this final period, it seemed like the Jets did let off the gas just a little bit. You could tell that Winnipeg had been firmly in control of the game, and by naturally just playing the way that the Jets do against teams that are really struggling and essentially dominating a lead-driven performance, uh, Winnipeg ended up actually getting a couple more goals courtesy of Paul Stastny and then Blake Wheeler. And uh, Stastny was actually one of the top performers on the night. He was very close in uh, on a number of scoring opportunities, really buzzing the net. He found himself in very soft areas, put a couple of really great shots on goal. Could have had a couple of goals on the night, but unfortunately had to settle for just one, but a very pretty one it was. Very well worked with uh, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley working around the goal line. And overall, that line seemed to click pretty well. You know, Blake Wheeler is definitely a step behind where he used to be, but thankfully, if you play him with guys who are a little bit slower and maybe more focused on distribution and offensive zone positioning rather than chances created off the rush, it might actually suit Blake's game a lot more. He seems a little bit more calmer, his skating is a bit more confident, he handles the puck like a grenade a lot less, it just feels like he's a better fit for this line with Stastny and Shifley. And they were genuinely cutting up that slot area with some really good passes and a couple of really dangerous opportunities. Overall, that line seemed to work pretty well, even if, you know, Shifley and Wheeler weren't quite on the level of Stastny, still fine enough. The second line of Connor, Dubois, and Ehlers I thought was okay. They didn't really have quite the performance from Dubois that I think you'd be expecting just because I think PLD is definitely finding his way through the center role on this team. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. As a winger, he just sort of likes to barrel in and really cut inside on that, uh, that slot area. But playing center for this team, of course, requires a few extra duties that are a little bit different than playing on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler. So I imagine as time goes on and he starts to get more used to the position, things will kind of naturally pan out and they'll start to get a, a little bit more chemistry. But the line definitely wasn't bad or anything, just maybe not quite as good as I was hoping it would be. But thankfully, the rest of the team I thought did pretty well. Um, you know, the, the fourth line with Perot and, and Trevor Lewis ended up performing pretty adequately. You know, Nate Thompson really wasn't able to do a whole lot, but when you're playing with uh, Matthew Perot, it obviously doesn't matter. Perot's just a really good buzzsaw of offense and thankfully had a couple of really great opportunities tonight, one of which, of course, he put away earlier in the game. Just a really great performance from him. And of equal note, you know, Mason Appleton also put in a really productive shift throughout the entire game, including the third period where, again, he was very effective in transition and also serving as a really nice defensive forward. It's to the point where I'm starting to wonder if Mason Appleton in the top six isn't exactly a bad idea. I kind of want to give him a try somewhere on the second or, or first line and maybe see if he can do something there. His approach might seem a little bit simplistic for some people, but I feel like he's got a really good, efficient route to the net, and he's also very smart in his attacking positioning, so he's very much in a, a good position to find himself capitalizing on rebounds or just really throwing the puck on net and actually getting a couple of really good scoring chances out of it. Thankfully, his release is actually pretty nice. So you can feel pretty confident that if he actually takes a sharp angle shot, it actually has a pretty decent chance of going in. With Lowry and Kopp, maybe a little bit less so, but Appleton seems to have just a little bit of an extra edge to his technical skill sets that allows him to be a, a slightly more effective attacker. Because he's so good defensively and in transition, I kind of feel like he might be a really useful asset on a line with a guy like Dubois, or maybe on a line with somebody like Shifley. I have a feeling that long term, though, the Jets might not be able to hold onto his services just because Seattle may come calling, especially when the expansion draft rolls around. But with what he continues to show us as a third line forward, I feel like there's potential there for him to be a lot more than what he's showing right now. I, I feel like he's got a couple of really interesting tool sets. The, the approach there that he's got is very efficient, very direct, very effective. 
I don't know, a couple of seasons ago I wouldn't have been this hot to trot for him, but the more that he continues to show in his uh, development and progression, the more I feel like there's a, a genuine player there, and maybe somebody destined for more than just like, you know, third or fourth line minutes, somebody who could potentially play on the second line and actually be pretty effective. Let me know what you think on my personal Twitter, at HLLivingLoco, and whether you think, uh, you know, maybe Mason Appleton deserves more minutes or a, a bigger role with this team. You can also ping the, uh, the Twitter account for this podcast at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets with your thoughts as well. But for tonight, at least, that will wrap up tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. Every Tuesday on Locked On NHL, it's all about East Coast bias, as Locked On Savers host Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano of Locked On Leafs take a look at the biggest stories in the Eastern Conference. From Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin to the defending champion Lightning, the up-and-coming Rangers, and everyone in between, Locked On NHL is the place to be for Eastern Conference until every Tuesday. Subscribe to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platforms of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!